listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 175. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we welcome you tonight to the diner. We welcome you tonight. We are sorely missing M tonight. I know. it's. it's she always adds something when she's with us. She does. You know what it is? Is... It's not M's fault. Uh, mm-hmm. We decided, I'm saying tonight, but you know, honestly, we are recording. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. uh, on a Tuesday, and M's working, and you just happen to have off, and I have off because I'm a school teacher, and it's summer, and uh, I'm going back to school next week. But just this one week, I had off, and we had an interview that was scheduled that we couldn't do any other time, and so we're recording here in the afternoon, but M should be back with us in the next podcast, and so, but we are missing you, M. Just so you know, we are missing you, M. So, but at least listeners will get a chance to hear her lovely voice when when she introduces uh, the menu. A- absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, introduces the show and mm-hmm. all the different segments. And she did contribute some of the stories that we're going to be sharing tonight. So she's still here in spirit, if not in voice. So. Oh, good. Um, so. She did a good job, by the way, at completing her 106-mile uh, bike ride. I don't, don't, I think she fell short by maybe 10 miles, but mm-hmm. she completed 96 miles, which is nothing to sneeze at. Absolutely not. That's, that's a fantastic Pretty accomplishment. Stellar. Yeah, broke a spoke and still rode on. Mm-hmm. It was great. She's dedicated, man. Dedicated. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we love them. But, uh, Miles, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Uh, enjoying some good sci-fi. Uh, watched the movie uh, Dread yesterday. Got the DVD off Netflix. I, Urban. I, that was good. That was really, really good. Um, also, um, my watched... Favorite part, my favorite part's the dialogue. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about that movie is, is 99% of it takes place in this, you know, this, this, this apartment complex. Which, which in in the dread universe is pretty much a small city, but right. um, but all, it takes place there. But uh, also saw recently um, Superman Unbound. Uh, we talked about that a few months ago. That um, John Noble um, he voices the voice of Brainiac, and we've seen the Brainiac character many times. But Noble did a fantastic job. If you know, if you haven't seen this yet, and if you maybe bored of Brainiac. Maybe watch this. I, I, th- I thought he brought some new stuff to the Brainiac character. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, my world, I, I've begun watching uh, Defiance and Orphan Black, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit on the Listener Feedback Show. In fact, mm-hmm. you will have heard that talk by the time you listen to the show, if you're listening to him in order, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch Babylon AD with... Um, um, Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, thank you, Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Flick. Uh, yeah. I kind of had to make myself watch it after the first half an hour, and it got it was okay. It got good at different points, but mm, it wasn't a spectacular movie. There was another sci-fi movie in there that I watched and couldn't make couldn't make it through, and I oh. forget which one that was. I watched and said, mm, no, I'm just not watching this one. Oh, do you know what it was? It was mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, the second Ghost Rider. I wanted to like it and didn't. Oh, okay. So uh, that was one, and 
watched all three Lord of the Ring movies again. Okay. Um, and so, uh, but, and, and reading Jakarus by Terry Brooks, it's mm-hmm. a, uh, another one in the sort of Shannara series. And that's kind of what it's been in my sci-fi. So I've been very busy in the world of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And here's tonight's menu. We have a menu tonight. Tell us about our menu. Okay. Well, I, I, Game of Thrones has ended its third season, so thought this would be uh, appropriate. Um, so, sixteen most shocking moments so far in, in Game of Thrones. Um, uh, there were some of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, Blaster uh, had this great article. In movie news, we have a uh, City of Bones trailer, um, and in uh, this week in the twist. Um, we have a couple articles. Uh, here's how uh, Into Darkness ranks against every other Star Trek movie. And apparently J.J. Abrams tried to shut down all Star Trek original series merchandise. Yeah, it makes sense a little bit from his point of view. But mm-hmm. um, he also, by the way, this is a new, this new story we'll be discussing is J.J. Uh, Abrams hints that the new Star Wars will honor the old films. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a... Um, in there and then and M sent that and M also sent this one in the Writers Guild of America's best written sci-fi shows. Here's where it hit and here's where they miss on as far as so it's kind of evaluation of their list a little okay. bit. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. that and I think that's probably it. And then we have our sci-fi five and five, which is what uh, five things we love about Defiance. We finally got Scott to watch Defiance. Yes. So and not only Scott, mm-hmm. but Scott's wife is also watching and liking Defiance, and that's an important thing. Sure it is. I so mean, she, a, she's very, very particular about whatever yeah. sci-fi she might watch. Right. So she was very vocal to my, when Miles Camilla was very vocal in the fact that she liked Defiance. Right. So, and and that, we'll, we'll, um, we'll announce the winner for this week's for this, this uh, trivia contest. In fact, why don't we do that right now? Okay. So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Well, Miles, let's move into this week's trivia. And my understanding is uh, we have a winner. Yes. A uh, winner for Star Trek into... For Stid. For so, Star Trek Into Darkness. Right. We're calling it Stid. Yeah, um, Stid. <laughs> I, really wanted to, I really wish you would have named it Star Trek Under Darkness. Because then we could just call it Stud and be done with it. That would have been great. But it would have been, uh, alas, it's Stid. I'm sure that J.J. looked and said, what does this... What do the initials spell out? Stid's much better than Stud. So... <laughs> But uh, anyways, go ahead. Uh, tell us about uh, the Stid Prize. Okay. Well, the question was, we asked, uh, who was the first captain of the Constitution-class starship USS Enterprise? And um, and they had a code word. The code word they needed to include was? Dilithium. Yes. And um, what prize were they vying for? Well, um they are vying for the uh, Countdown to Darkness um, Star Trek comic books. My understanding is that was a four-pack, right? But, but, but we're going to add a fifth one. But there was a fifth one that we just, uh, Miles just got, and it actually follows up on the movie. It's it, Yes, it's called After Darkness, and it follows, it's, it's a follow-up right after the movie, so we'll, we're going to put that in that prize pack, too. So that's STAD, right? Star Trek After Darkness, STAD? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm all into the acronym today. Um, mm-hmm. But so STAD, you get the STAD comic as well, mm-hmm. and... Um, and who answered this correctly? We actually had a couple correct answers, and we had to kind of pull names out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, who won this prize? Uh, 
Sarah, uh, Sarah correctly guessed or uh, answered the question, and the answer was Robert April. Yes, and we will email you to find out where we should be sending this. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome prize back to you. So, yep. Sarah, thanks for playing. Thanks for everyone that played. We had a bunch of answers for this one, and um, and it's very good. Very cool. Um, so let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is an, a podcast from Wayne Henderson. Okay. Uh, you probably saw rumors of this podcast circling around Facebook. That is true. Uh, so uh, there's no secret that Stephen King has written his book, Under the Dome, a book that's been out for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are turning this into a TV series, an event, about 10-episode event. I'm not sure how many episodes it is. Mm-hmm. But our good friend uh, from the Fringe Casting podcast, uh, along with Troy, who called in for the Star Trek Into Darkness. Right. Uh, uh, review that we did, they're doing a podcast called The Under the Dome, or it's called Dome Radio. Is that right? Or Under the Dome Radio, mm-hmm. I think it is. Podcast. So uh, is Under the Dome a show that you're going to be watching, Miles? You know what? I I, I haven't thought about it, but um, I might have to check it out now. Yeah. Well, the idea, the premise is, I've read part of Into, Under the Dome, Into the Dome, I mean, like, into the dome now, right? Like into darkness. But they had this dome around this area and these people are trapped inside and they have to somehow survive. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that I, that premise and I'm really simplifying it a lot. I'm sure I'll get corrected by Troy and Wayne here. Um, but anyways, this is a promo for the podcast. They have two episodes out and these are from two veteran podcasters. You've really got to check out what they're saying from Under the Dome Radio. Hey, Wayne. What do a woodchuck, an airplane, and a cook have in common? Oh, Troy, this is not the time for jokes. A giant dome is about to appear over the town of Chester's Mill. Exactly, Wayne. The plane, the cook, the woodchuck all would have been better prepared for Dome Day if they had been listening to Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio? I've done some radio before. It's a new podcast this summer by and for fans around the upcoming miniseries Under the Dome. A podcast? Hey, maybe we should host it. We are hosting it, Wayne, and we invite all of you fellow dome heads to come and stay in the dome all summer long. So tune in to WUTD for Under the Dome Radio and leave some feedback on the website at underthedomeradio.com. For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. And we are back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles, we have some phenomenal uh, TV news tonight. And actually, Game of Thrones just wrapped up. We aren't going to spoil it in this show, but we do have some shocking moments. So if you're not caught up in Game of Thrones, it's possible that one of these moments could be a spoiler. Yeah, there could be a season three um, spoiler in there. So. so this is Blaster, Blaster, you know. All, ha- all bets are off when they kind of give their, mm-hmm. uh, what they say, the uh, top most 16 shocking moments so far in the Game of Thrones franchise. Of course, everyone that's read the books already know these. But uh, so what do we want to do? It says there's spoilers. So mm-hmm. let's, um, why don't we jump in with these? Let's okay. do every other. Do you want to start with the uh, Jamie Lannister one? I'll be happy to. So the 16 most shocking moments so far from Game of Thrones. If there's one thing HBO's hit fantasy series Game of Thrones brings week after week after week, it's those truly shocking moments that make up 
us go OMG and what uh, WTF. And last Sunday's episode certainly managed uh, to do that. Yes, um, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Red Wedding episode. So, um, for the- so spoilers again. Spoilers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one they give is Jamie Lannister pushes Bran Stark out of a window. Now. Mm-hmm. You watched the series, first two. I watched the first two seasons. So yeah. you remember this, right? He's climbing around the, the castle. He looks in the window and he sees the Jamie um, and, making and, love to his sister, right? Right. And uh, and Jamie doesn't like that he's kind of a voyeur, and you know he just like boop, shoves and he falls. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's kind of his out of the world thing. Mm-hmm. How about number two? Uh, Viserys death by molten golden crown. Oh, that was a good scene. I and think I, a lot of us were probably cheering when that happened. I, I was celebrating because mm-hmm. I, I just, he's a jerk. He, he, he was a jerk. He needed to be taken there out. There are other words I could use. This wasn't a family, family podcast, but he was, he was a jerk. There was mm-hmm. no... Um, Ned Stark's beheading, uh, again, uh, if you read the books, wasn't a surprise, but he, Ned Stark was a guy you were kind of rooting for, but right. you, there's no character sacred in the George R. R. Martin. Uh, mm. In fact, one of my friends uh, from school, and yes, I do have friends, um, but one of my friends from school who's an avid Game of Thrones sent me a picture and has all the Game of Thrones book and says, and then there's this little kid's book uh, with a dinosaur on it saying, where have all my friends gone? <laughs> <laughs> you know, which, and, you know, it's everyone in like, Game of Thrones because no one's sacred. No, uh, that's right. So. The next one we have is the hatching of, of Danny's dragons. Great scene when you mm-hmm. see her at the end of season one standing there. She's naked and you see the dragons just crawling all over her body. It's just phenomenal. And though the scene before that, is, you know, the, the, she, she, she burns this woman who, you know, Finish killing her husband off, and she enters into that um, funeral pyre or whatever you want to call it. You know, um, the, she she stays there and she comes out unscathed, and she has you know with these three dragons, you know, crawling on her. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's phenomenal scene. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have the next one? Sh- uh, uh, Theon's botched uh, beheading of uh, Sir Roderick uh, Castle. Yeah, brutal. Definitely brutal. Uh, Melisandre Burr's a shadow baby. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. That was that, that, that was freaky looking. Yeah, yeah, definitely a freaky thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Theon moment. Theon burns two two boys pretending they were they were Bran and, and, and uh, uh, Rickon. So yeah. yeah, that was that was that was bad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Joffrey has Rossby another prostitute bloody while aiming a crossbow at them. Uh, yeah. You, you just think okay. When is this guy going to get his comeuppance? Yeah, you know it's happening. You know it's happening. And did, uh, of course, if you read the books, you definitely know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the, the next uh, is that the Hound abandons the Battle of Blackwater, and uh, you know <laughs> you're just wondering. I mean, here's a guy who who has taken a lot of crap, um, but he he he's loyal to a fault. But even this guy has his limitations. Yeah, Jon Snow killing Corn Halfhand. Hand. This is a legendary ranger that he kind of just kills for the purpose of getting in with the wildlings. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of puts him in there. Um, the, the next is the White Walkers arrive at the at, at, at the fist of the oh, first man. I love the White Walkers. <laughs> love the White Walkers, but the fist of the first man definitely that's a uh, definitely a pretty. Uh, Piddle scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Benick Dundaren's death and subsequent uh, resurrection. Right. So some of these, I like I said, I haven't seen season three. I'm not worried. So some of them you aren't there. I don't know what's going on. So uh, Jamie Lannister losing his hand. Um, 
and then they make him they make him wear it around his neck. Oh, that's that, that's oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you know, after saying brain tarth from the possible gangrene, Jamie gets a shock of his life as Dewey when Locke first taunts him about his daddy, Lord Tywin, then proceeds to chop off the Kingslayer's sword hand. Mm-hmm. So it's his sword hand. So, well, he had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gior, the old bear, Mormon's death at the hands of his own men. Yep. Um, and then Ross's death during the chilling discussion between Littlefinger and Varys, where Littlefinger gives his famous speech about chaos beating a ladder. We find out the grisly fate of Ross in a truly disturbing WTF moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, the Red Wedding. Yeah, so, so uh, Red Wedding, scene, uh, season, uh, really, not, this, not, the, not the finale, but the, day, the week before the finale, they slaughter, you know, Rob and Cat. Wow. They slaughter him at, at a wedding, mm-hmm. and it's the way everyone wants their wedding to go. <laughs> not really. No. But these are some big moments in Game of Thrones. Were there any others that kind of hit you as being, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this? Yeah, there was a scene. Maybe that's because describe it. Just, um, but to, to me, just just how uh, where where the show was going. Going, um, they have there's this joust and there's this, this disgruntled guy who you know ends up losing. He ends up cutting his own sword, his own horse's head off with his sword, and just like, Ugh. yeah, just, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there are so many. Good moments in mm-hmm. this series, um, and you just—it's uh, going to be. It will be interesting to see how they continue to wind it up. I am a fan of the books. I've read all the novelizations. All these are very familiar to me, mm-hmm. but these are very. But these are obviously based on the TV show. So what they're showing, sure. So they are really pushing boundaries, and again, it's HBO, so they can kind of do that sort of thing. Right? right? They have the can't license, get away with yeah. it in that network television. Absolutely, but, yeah, but. Um, well, uh, let's move into uh, movie news. Mm-hmm. You have uh, a TV trailer, right? Or a movie trailer, right? Yes. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Sure. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit, and we'll, we'll play it for you. So uh, we have the—I I, I haven't heard this yet. Maybe some of you, our listeners, have. Um, but um, so this is the latest trailer for um, Mortal Instruments City of Bones. Um uh, It's a nice, long, one full of great footage to get ready for the August premiere. And don't forget, we were— um, we, got, we got this off of Sci-Fi uh, Mafia, um, so it's, the movie is opening a day earlier than it was scheduled to. Uh, so one of the stars in this that we, we're very familiar with is Lena Headley. She was, right, I was just going to say, you know, mm-hmm. we know who we know this is. We were just talking about Game of Thrones, right? right? Uh, not only that, but CCH Pounders also in it, who we right. know as Mrs. Frederick. Um, and Jared Harris, and there's a bunch of other actors that are in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've heard this movie. Have you heard about this, this movie? This was off my radar. I didn't know it, but it looks interesting. Um, I don't know if it's something I'll see in the theaters, but maybe wait till it comes to rental. But um, Well, let's play the trailer, and we can uh, discuss what we think about it. And uh, folks, listeners, you can let us know if you're planning to see this movie as well. This is an advertisement beforehand. That's new. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Own it on Blu-ray Combo Pack today. I kind of want to see that. I mean, that's another movie I saw, Snow White and the Huntsman. Remind me to talk about that. Every day you live your life. You make sure you come straight home tonight. Ordinary. Normal. 
you know your mom, she gets like this sometimes. But there's only so long you can hide from the truth. Let's go in here. Larry, what is it? You didn't see that? What are you looking at? Why can I see you and no one else can? You're not a mundane. What is a mundane? Someone from the human world. Well, if I'm not a human, then what am I? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Mom, I'm coming home! No, 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 you can't come home. You understand me? You don't come home. demons for over a third of my life. You killed two cops! They weren't cops! Demons exist across the world in their varying different forms. I don't understand what any of this has to do with my mom. Your mother was a shadow hunter. Like him. Like you. There's a map inside your head, Clary. You are the key to our survival. What is it about her? She's different. She's gonna get us all killed. What now? To pick up a few things. Clary, wow, you do look different. I, I can't talk now, sorry. The world is ours to take. This is about more than us. Humanity is on the very brink of extinction. Chase thinks he needs to save the world. There's too many of them. But you don't need to encourage him to do it. Have a little faith. You have an incredible gift and we need you. I need you. The werewolves are here to save us. I never thought I'd say that. You know, you just can't miss the fact that Davy Jones is in this. David Robert Jones from Fringe is in this. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> his voice there at the mm-hmm. beginning. Unmistakable. And you're like, when's Nimoy going to show up? Come on. <laughs> you know? We could hope. <laughs> yeah, we could hope. But uh, it was good. He was also in Sherlock or the set game of Shadows or whatever it was called. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but phenomenal character, number one, to see it in there and to see all these actors. It looks interesting. Thoughts, Miles. Um, you know, it looks like it looks like it's a fun, um, uh, girl with a sword takes out you know takes out demons. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer crosses Underworld. Yeah, kind. Of. I don't. I don't. I mean, I guess the the bad guys in this genre are, are demons, or you know. So, it, but. It's it's like like you said, uh, Underworld and Buffy definitely has those you know overtones also. Yeah, so I mean I don't know a movie I'm going to see in theaters. Good chance not. Movie I'm going to watch is rental. Good chance yes. I think it's worth the rental. Mm-hmm. Not worth the theater expense for me as, as, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I'm there too. It looks like it would be entertaining, but um, like I could wait till it, till it comes available on a rental. Very good, very good. Well, let's move in. We have some other news. J.J. Uh, Abram hints that the new Star Wars will honor the old films, and this is good. This comes from Business Insider by Kristen Acuna, and M actually sent us in, so this M, thank you for this story. And here's what 
J.J. is saying. J.J. is still staying mum about the work on the Star Wars film, but gave a hint about the direction for Episode 7. Um, at the uh, at the conference for producers presented by the Producers Guild of America. I think the key to moving forward on something like this is honoring but not revering what came before, said Abrams, according to The Hollywood Reporter. We see Episode 7 as a continuation of the saga, a natural progression of the Star Wars story in the linear fashion. Whether that happens remains to be seen, but rumors earlier this year had the three next films focusing on the children of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. That would make sense if actors Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford were to reprise their original roles, something that's been heavily speculated in the media. The rumors have credence. Before J.J. Abrams was announced as the director of the new film, Disney bought Lucasfilm last year. Lucas was working on treatments for three new films. He was also in talks with Hamill, Fisher, and Ford to appear in these movies. Abrams also dropped the hint that the production of the next film will begin early 2014 in London, as he noted his family will be moving there by the end of the year. The film will have to start production soon, as it currently has a 2015 release date attached to it. Last month, it was announced that Star Wars Episode Seven will film in the UK, like all six of the films before it. Abrams will direct the new film, while George Lucas will serve as creative consultant. Hmm. So, here's the thing. Uh, that's statement. He says that he is is honoring it, but not revering it. Could you argue that J.J. Abrams has done that with the Star Trek fr- franchise? Yes, I think you could can make that um, argument. So, I mean, we could mm-hmm. be throwing a bone here, and it could be nothing it could be nothing what we're expecting, and he could just reboot the franchise. Mm-hmm. But I uh, think probably not. I'm guessing that there's going to be continuation storyline, and for me, it makes sense to focus on the kids of the Skywalkers. Well, if he can, if he can get Hamill, Fisher, and Ford to be in those movies, then uh, <coughs> excuse me, that makes sense to, to be continuation. They're just going to have to fast forward, you know, thirty years, you know, or so. Well, and uh, you know, much of the expanded universe of Star Wars has taken place in those. Mm-hmm. In those 30 years. I mean, they can mess around with the storylines because none of the stories are considered canon. But, mm-hmm. but you know, there's probably some names they can keep in there and and kind of work with. And right. Uh, it was always the Thrawn trilogy was what everyone was saying that the, you know, 7, 8, and 9 were going to be. And, of mm-hmm. course, it never was. Sure. And I, I can understand... Abrams wanting to do something, not not be a slave to what what the novels have done. Uh, I mean, the, the novels are great. I've read a lot of them myself, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what he comes up with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's move into our next story, and this is a story uh, that I'm also set in about the Writers Guild of America. They came up with their best written sci-fi shows ever, and uh, we're going to talk about what they hit and what they miss. Miles, do you want to bring in this story by Kristen Durr? Sure. Um, So the Writers Guild of America listed the the top 101 best written shows at all time this week, and and as far as sci-fi shows go... They mostly got them right. In fact, listing the top five written sci-fi shows will yield the same top four shows in the same order. But there are some glaring omissions and the one show that d- does not belong on the list at all. 
Okay, so what did they get right? Let's talk about the first show they got right. Uh, Twilight Zone, listed number three, definitely deserves the title of at least the third best written show of all time. For sci-fi fanatics, it deserves to be number one. But let's not get too greedy. The show was absolutely groundbreaking at the time and can still be inspiring today. The show was the first to present many ideas that have been rehashed in sci-fi over the years and in uh, most um, cases represented those, those ideas best. Right. Well, then they came in, what, X-Files came in at number six, Star Trek at number 33, and Battlestar Galactica 2005 at number 38. And they're all fantastic choices as well. Some fans will want to reverse the order of the X-Files and Star Trek, because Star Trek obviously had a huge impact on the sci-fi community. Mm -hmm. But the order on the list may represent the fact that the X-Files could appeal to a wider audience, which is very true. Uh, so the sci-fi shows that does not belong. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation. It was tied at number 79 with several other shows. While, while Star Trek Next Generation was wonderful sci-fi series, it really doesn't deserve a spot on this list when you consider all the other sci-fi shows that you, you could have been this place. The best written sci-fi programs of all time have to include groundbreaking ideas. Star Trek Next Generation was not a groundbreaking show. In fact, some of the episodes merely rehashed the ideas presented in the original Star Trek series. That's probably an argument you've heard before, right? They, they just kind of rehashed some of what they did in the original series. Yeah, well, de- definitely, definitely in season one, uh, that's they could be guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you are a sci-fi fan, you're probably going to note that there's uh, a bunch of shows that were missing off the list of 100. 100- and one best written shows. Um, first two that come to mind are some of the favorites that we've had. Mm-hmm. At least the first one, Stargate Universe, was missing, mm-hmm. and Farscape. Farscape being the cult classic TV series that it is. The basic premise of Stargate was groundbreaking, but the idea was created long ago in a movie. The thing that makes Stargate Universe Universe groundbreaking on its own is the idea that a group of people with desperate, uh, disparate, dis- desperate. Uh, personalities from present-day Earth could be stuck in an alien spaceship with technology they do not know how to use and no way to get back home. Mm -hmm. Similarly, Farscape was a sci-fi fantasy about one man stuck in a ship with aliens and technology he did not understand. His learning curve is even greater, being stuck all alone in a completely foreign universe. Uh, Next was, it was also surprising not to see Fringe on a list. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Talk about groundbreaking. This was the first show to to take a look at the real concepts in Fringe science and present them in a way that made the uh, most bizarre occurrences seem possible in real life. Each concept was pushed to the Fringe, so to speak, so viewers could dangle on the precipice of reality with a fair dose of comic relief thrown in for good measure. Uh, Two other groundbreaking shows came uh, from across the pond. Doctor Who and Torchwood, of course, before it devolved into Hollywood Offering exists within the same universe and even had a number of crossover episodes. Even so, they present off-the-wall ideas and circumstances that only the most twisted mind can think up. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more examples of truly exceptional writing in sci-fi include The 4400 and Heroes, where a set of regular people wind up with powers and have to live among regular folks. The 4400 was actually a precursor to Heroes and is what put the USA Network on the map. Heroes changed it up a little by making those powers more like superheroes, thereby creating a a sci-fi fantasy crossover. And finally, no list of best-written shows would be complete without Quantum Leap. That series was an amazing way to look through the eyes of people from all walks of life, from perspectives of an ordinary guy who has the ability to not only travel back in time, but to inhabit the bodies of other people. 
And uh, about fantasy shows, mm-hmm. there is a list of fantasy programs that deserve to be on the list. It's much longer than can be listed here. Um, shows such as? Uh, Lost at number 27, The Prisoner at, at number 90, um, Merlin, Being Human, Supernatural, Once Upon a Time, Pushing Daisies, Primeval, Stargate SG-1, or just name a few of the fantasies that have served up mind-bending worlds that allowed and allow viewers to take a break from reality. Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely is a fantasy show as it goes. I can't believe they put SG-1 as a fantasy. I wouldn't That's, say that was fantasy. Yeah, I would think that would be a... I, I, I know that would qualify for fantasy, yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're going to put that one as fantasy, you almost have to put uh, Quantum Leap as a fantasy show just because of the type of stuff it is. Mm-hmm. So so what do you think of some of these shows being on this list? Um, for the most part, I, I would I would agree with, with a lot of what is said there, yeah. I mean, there's... Buffy has to be on this list somewhere, mm-hmm. you think. Uh, I, Firefly has better made this list. Exactly. I think that was a groundbreaker with a loyal fan following. I might disagree. I, I think TNG rates higher than this list. might give it credit for. A lot of it because it had a lot of um, mainstream appeal. I mean, it was not just sci-fi fans that liked Star Trek. Uh, Next Generation, it was just a lot of people in general had a lot of love for it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess as far as bringing the franchise back into the the mainstream again, maybe. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Well, it's a list, and uh, we'll post the article up there, and you can uh, check out the main list and see what uh, see whether you agree or disagree with uh, their list, and uh, let us know if you put any other shows that did not make that list on that list. A tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news on This Week in Star Trek. So, th- this is what we have for this week in Star Trek. Um, first arc we have is how. how uh, Into Darkness ranks against other Star Trek films. Um, When a film franchise has a history this long, comparisons are inevitably inevitable, especially among Trekkers. Uh, Hollywood's uh, been been churning out Star Trek movies with some degree of regularity since uh, 79. So far, we've got six films featuring the original series cast, four films featuring the next-gen cast, a little little dose of the original series fun in in Star Trek Next Generations, and two films set in alternate reality featuring new incarnations of the original series characters with a little letter Nimoy, just to be safe. (laughs) Yes, the latest of the Star Trek Into Darkness is less than a month old now, but Hollywood pundits are already drawing critical and financial comparisons between it and its predecessor uh, 09 Star Trek. But where does the latest Star Trek blockbuster rank among the uh, rest of the dozen films in their franchise thus far? How does its earnings and its critical response uh, stack up? So we've compiled the worldwide box office grosses of all 12 Star Trek films in the gallery below, among with the Rotten Tomatoes and and, uh, 
Metacritic scores. This is just the raw data, but it's important to consider that these numbers aren't ever going to be worthy of apples to apples comparisons. Film criticism is different now. After all, imagine how Star Trek The Motion Picture would have uh, gone down in an age that included Twitter. And inflation often means that a film with a lower box office return was actually more successful relative to the time in which it was released. So with all that in mind, it's interesting to see the ebbs and flows of the franchise play out over uh, the, the three decades. But hey, that's, those are just numbers. What do you think? So we'll... Um, so what do you have? Did you have that comparison? I'm looking it up real quick here. It's yeah. If you go to blast blast, you have to go to Blaster's site and click on the pictures, and it has the. Um, it just runs through them all here. Mm-hmm. So that it, like the motion picture is the fourth highest grossing in the franchise. So I thought that was kind of interesting because mm-hmm. it was one of my least favorite. So Arathicon is uh, actually um, it was it's it, you know. Some of the best critical praise, but not the best monetarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes score gave it ninety-one percent. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and uh, search for Spock even lower yet. Still respectable, eighty-seven million. Um, Ooh, one hundred thirty-three million for Voyage Home. I like that. Yeah, that, that definitely did better. I like that movie. A lot of people didn't, but I liked it. I, I, I liked it too. Um, now, no surprise here, uh, so much so that even some Star Trek fans have, have purged it from their own personal canon, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so worldwide, it, it boxed office at $63 million. Now, granted, this was back in 89. Um, Rotten Tomatoes scores 21%. Yeah, and uh, 100 mil- uh, coming in at $100 million would be Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, uh, and, and, and at a good Rotten Tomatoes score of 83%. Yeah, Generation came in at 118 million, even higher. But Rotten Tomatoes didn't like this one. No, only gave him 40 percent here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First Contact, 150 million dollars, and start. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes liked this one. Oh yeah, gave it 92 percent. That was a good movie. You know, back in Time, Klingons, yeah, just real good. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Trek Insurrection, no surprise here. <laughs> one of the weaker, weaker performers. Um, the worldwide, it box box office at 112 million. But uh, Rotten Tomatoes only gave it 55%. You think that's bad? You should go to Star Trek Nemesis, 38%. <laughs> the film grows $67 million, The low point in Trek history, huh? Right. We thought, I mean, that was that might be the death of the franchise. Yeah. So uh, Star Trek, and I didn't realize the tag for the Star Trek 2009 was The Future Begins. I, I remember that now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But 95%, they like that one. And, you know, when you take out what they made in this film, film, Three hundred eighty-five million buckaroos. That was uh, phenomenal, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, as of June third, film still in theaters. Three hundred thirty million. So, Into Darkness is uh, almost as good as its predecessor. Almost as good, and it might reach that level. Three hundred eighty-five, um, and it's not out of theaters yet. At three hundred thirty, my guess is you're going to see that reach there before the end. I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it eighty seven percent, so so it's I, I, I think you guys still consider that a hit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's kind of how they're all ranking up financially and uh, as far as critical scores. And we of course put our own list in our own review show that we did, and uh, as far as how they ranked in order of I think enjoyability. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you know everyone has their own list. But this is interesting interesting to see how they line up how they line up with the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score and then also how they rank financially. Mm-hmm. So. 
Very good. Well, let's move into our next piece of news in this week in Star Trek. So this, this, this I saw this some time ago, and I, and I found this very interesting. So apparently, J.J. Abrams tried to shut down all Trek, all Star Trek uh, original series uh, mer- merchandise. So why does Star Trek's new mastermind want to kill production of classic Trek products? J.J. Abrams and his production company, Bad Robot, have had a very good have been very good for Star Trek from a business standpoint. Even if you don't like the movies, you can argue with the uh, financial results of their work. But according to the rap sources, things could have been much, much bigger. Back when they first took over the franchise, uh, Bad Robot had plans to move Star Trek into a major transmedia experience, telling their stories across films, television, uh, comics, video games, and more. So far, we've had a few comics and we've had a, a video game or two, but... Excuse me. Apparently, the company wanted to really push things to warp speed and make Star Trek an inescapable, massive multimedia franchise once again. So why didn't they? Well, Star Trek rights are tricky business. They're split between Paramount Pictures, which distributes the new films and owns the rights to the old ones, and CBS, which owns the rights to the original 1960s TV series as well as the merchandising rights. Ever since uh, CBS left Paramount's parent company, Viacom, seven years ago, the two companies have had to work uh, in semi-harmony when it comes to new Star Trek projects, including uh, Abrams films. And apparently that's where Bad Robot had a problem. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, what, according to an individual who knows the situation, Paramount wanted to make uh, Abrams and company happy, but it also allowed CBS to have a say in what new, new Trek products were were produced, and, and apparently uh, CBS wasn't too keen on some of the ambitious things uh, Bad Robot wanted to do. J.J. just threw up his hands, the rap, the rap source said. The message was, why set up all this when we'll just be competing against ourselves? The studio wanted to please Bad Robot, but it was also allowing CBS to, to say yay or nay when it came, was hap- came to what was happening with uh, Star Trek products. Um, it seems Bad Robot did some market research and found that the merchandise being produced to promote its reboot of Star Trek universe was actually the victim of brand confusion with the merchandise CBS was and is still producing to promote the, um, the, the original uh, Trek series. In an effort to better push the new stuff and probably raise awareness that they wanted to make more toys, comics, TV shows, and other such goodies, Bad Robot wanted CBS and asked them to cease production on original series products so consumers wouldn't have to choose between buying something with William Shatner's face on it and something uh, with Chris Pine's face on it. But CBS wasn't going to give up uh, $20 million in earns from Trek merchandise every year, and in response, uh, Bad Robot put many of its... Uh, $20 trans- million. And From the old series? From the old wow, series. Wow, wow. And in response, Bad Robot put many of its transmedia plans on hold. The companies seem to be playing nicer these days, though. All the big multimedia ambitions might be done, but there is a new uh, Trek video game to enjoy. And though reps from Bad Robot and uh, Paramount haven't yet spoken about the dispute, CBS seems to be happy with how things are going. Um, As the merchandiser writes uh, holder for Star Trek, CBS uh, Consumer Products has ongoing relationships with all partners, including Paramount. A spokesman for CBS Consumer Products said in a statement, do you know what I find interesting is that this whole debacle over merchandising, and you know, as a consumer, mm-hmm. and I have kids, or maybe even as an adult, I go in to buy a Captain Kurt action, action figure. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the new movie. My kids are going to be familiar with the new movie. I'm going to want Pine's face on that Star Trek action figure. Mm-hmm. But if I have, if that's Captain Kirk, and then I have a Captain Kirk over here, like, which one do I buy, right? And I understand mm-hmm. the whole brand confusion thing that he's talking about. Sure. Um, I don't see why you can't have both. Here, here's the thing. I mean, it's um, you just put on the packaging 
you know, classic or, you know, you just, you, you just, just distinguish you, which, which one's, which, um, I, I can't, you, maybe the packaging say Star Trek for old farts and Star Trek <laughs> for new farts. I mean, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Um, yeah, probably not, but, 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 but seriously though, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of surprised this happening. I mean, I mean, I, one, I can't fault for CBS for saying, well, they're bringing in twenty million a year off the old franchise. Well, why do they want to? Why, why, why give that up? That's. I mean, that, that, that's a that's a, a dependable stream of income. I mean, I, I can't fault CBS for you know for for, for 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 not wanting to keep producing original series merchandise. I mean, it, it, I would think maybe. I don't know if that w- that would be in more demand than, than than the newer stuff. I don't know, but um, so, but but but. Maybe this is one of the holdups why we haven't seen Star Trek come to to the small screen again. Because maybe, it's, but I can tell you what, you know, it is. It makes sense that JJ is maybe leaning towards Star Wars because uh, Walt Disney Company is going to be more than happy to accommodate his merchandise friendly multimedia ambitions for stuff like TV shows, theme park attractions, and more. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of uh, working with Abrams a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not all, let me get into this franchise, too. You know, it makes, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's, maybe it's also a uh, merchandising thing that kind of draws him up. He has more freedom to do whatever he will want to do, I guess. Yeah, maybe. absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that's part of the, I mean, with Star Trek being controlled by two media conglomerates. Um, oh, that's just a nightmare. It's it's nightmare. Nightmare right? waiting to happen. And it, and it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for bringing this week in Star Trek. Uh, my, my pleasure. Now who's ready for dessert? The Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top five worst five of anything in science fiction or fantasy in five minutes or less and my understanding is that tonight we're going to be talking about five reasons why you should be watching defiance Mm -hmm. and uh, i finally have started watching defiance a little bit behind but i watched i'm starting to watch Mm -hmm. give me your first reason what is a reason why someone should be watching defiance Oh, well, first reason is we it, it, um, the the setting. Um, it, it kind of you, you, it kind of feels like a sci-fi western. You feel it, defiance is a frontier tavern, town, but we um, just have you know different groups of aliens. There's part of me that wants to say if you like Firefly, you'll like this, but I'm not sure that that's the case. It has the same feel though mm-hmm. as being kind of a sci-fi western mm-hmm. again, but not with the connection of cast that we experience with. Serenity and Firefly, but still a good cast nonetheless. Right, and and, and in this one, there's a it's a huge cast. It is a huge cast. Uh, number two reason to be watching Defiance is the guy's daughter, the oh. alien, <laughs> the alien chick. Not only is she not hard in the eye, but right. she is just a sassy uh, a character that you don't really know what to expect from each week. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of liking that. Favorite thing so far, I only watched, again, the pilot episode. And the first two, I guess, the first two episodes was when she and him were singing the Johnny Cash song. Right. <laughs> so it's just a great opening sign. Like, and they, mm-hmm. do it, they do it well. Mm-hmm. So do it well. Uh, number three moment for you. Uh, number, reason, or I guess not moment, but reason you should be watching Defiance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
very interesting characters. Um, the the aliens are interesting. The humans are interesting. The, everybody seem there, there's people that seem to have their own agenda. You don't know. There, there's definitely the moral ambiguity as far as you know who 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 are the good guys and bad guys. I mean, you saw the whole town join together to to, to fight that off that invasion. Oh yeah, but, but you, you'll see that. That that alliance, you know, is only temporary. I mean, well, I'm sure you'll see, you know, you know, you'll, you'll see those feuds or problems come back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and number four reason to watch it, despite the fact that times the special effects might seem a little bit video gameish. They still have some pretty good special effects uh, that fit into the the the, the show itself, um, whether it be the mech warriors that are coming to attack the town, or whether it be the gate that they have that's kind of protecting the town at least mm-hmm. for a little bit, or whether it's the way they made the the aliens look. There's a lot of effects that are actually very beautifully done, um, and if that's all makeup, I pity some of those people. Oh my yes, <laughs> especially like the doctor alien. Oh. Or, or the Wookiees, you know they're not Wookiees, yeah, but they look. But they, yeah, the Wookiee aliens, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. The, the easiest is actually probably the daughter type of makeup, the Spirit Rider. The, the, well, that, they, the, even they have to wear a prosthetic. But I'm just thinking that I don't remember the, the, the name of the race, but they're basically just like these albinos, you know, oh, with yeah. the white hair and white skin. I mean, I would think. Well, that, yeah, the one that's like the uh, one of the controlling people of the town or financial. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. so. And uh, what is a fifth reason that we should be watching Defiance? Uh, gr- really good writing. I, I think the writing on this show is just uh, fantastic. It's one of the reasons my wife likes this show. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if you, if you want a well read, well written, uh, character driven series, but still with the, the perks of some good battle scenes, some good action, and some good special effects, uh, you, you can't go wrong with Defiance. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Well, so that is our sci-fi five and five five reasons why you, the listeners, should be watching Defiance. If you aren't, and if you are, then we're just preaching to the choir. But these are five things that we like about Defiance. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm still very early on in the show. Um, but still, I'm looking forward to watching more. And we're going to watch more tonight, I think. Oh, good. So, um, well, thank you for joining us in this podcast. We have on our next podcast coming up our interview with Michael Schilling that we're going to be sharing. And uh, we'll be back with you in about two weeks to share some other insights, interviews. We have an interview with J.W. Holmes that we'll probably be releasing about them mm-hmm. about that time. Uh, but I believe that's about it, Miles. we got to shut down the diner and get out of here. That's right. So till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com. Or send an MP3 or typed email to sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>